Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 36 of the 17-18 season. The finish line is so close from now, for many, they've already crossed it. I'm your host Tom Rennie and coming up on the show today, it's a big week at the bottom of the Premier League. West Bromwich Albion could be relegated if results don't go their way this weekend. What about Stoke? Surely it's their last stand if they're unable to pick up three points. And Southampton, the worst team at home in the Premier League this season, take on one of the best on the road when they host Bournemouth. That is all coming up this weekend and some stories at the top as well, which are basically irrelevant from now. It's all about survival from this point. It's the Premier League preview show. Right, coming up this weekend, we start with Liverpool against Stoke City. The Reds, after their Champions League win over Roma against a Stoke City side who have failed to beat Burnley and West Ham in their last two and remain in the bottom three. Also, Southampton against Bournemouth, an absolute cracker down on the south coast. Wouldn't the fighting Jerrys love to send the Saints down to the championship? The late game on Saturday is a big one for Swansea. They're at home against struggling Chelsea. Also Burnley, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Leicester, Huddersfield, Everton and Newcastle take on West Brom. On Sunday, the David Moyes era continues. The worst win percentage of any West Ham manager in history. Still needs points to keep West Ham up. They've got... Man City at home, also United take on Arsenal, the last ever meeting potentially of Mourinho and Wenger, and Monday Night Football is Spurs against Watford. That is all coming up. What a big weekend, and it's a big welcome back to David Walker. How are you, mate? You all right? I'm very well, thank I, you. I was, I was worried about you last week. You've been all over Russia. Do you want the good news or the bad news? I want both of those in equal measure. OK, well, so the good news is, mm. I think England fans and indeed... Football fans the world over are going to have a nice time in Russia okay. in the summer for the World Cup. Is that because you've had a nice time? Because you're a young, wealthy, handsome man going around travelling I'm only, Russia I'm on only your one own. of those three things. Yeah, that's very true. He's got no money. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you probably had a lovely time. But what about us obese hooligans? Are we going to have a nice time? I think, I think it will be fine. I think it will be much the same as any other tournament, Euros World Cup in history. There will be probably some problems here and there, but I don't believe it will be quite as bad as everyone thinks. I think it will be OK. The bad news, however, mm. is I forgot to get you a hat. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I can't believe you said you would do it. I plugged it on the show last week. I need the hat. It's not as springy as I would have liked. In my defence, I wasn't in Moscow very much this time, and that is very much your hat 
Central. Well, they don't sell hats in St. Petersburg. They don't it's, sell them in Vladivostok. I didn't go to Vladivostok. Okay, well, I'm just There's naming no, cities. No need, for, no need for us to go all the way uh, to the other side of Russia. Agent. But, but, yeah, some of the smaller cities and outposts that I went to, they no don't, they're not exactly tourist central. Hat-free zones. They're not really any souvenir. No There's no souvenir hats. shops in Nizhny Novgorod. <laughs> <laughs> not fame for their hats. Here, I saw a story this week about uh, Moscow that they're only going to sell alcohol in the uh, fan parks and stadia. Uh, on match days, and they're not going to be selling it in local supermarkets and shops and all that sort of stuff. Is okay. that true? I've, I've not heard that story, but I find it surprising to hear because mm. it does seem like the Russians like a drink. I'd heard that. I heard that. That's why you've come back a broken man, isn't it? Because of all the vodka that's now I've where your blood should be. I've been on a lot of planes, a lot of trains. <laughs> uh, you're a hard-working man, and since the last time you were here, you missed the big Wenger's Out show. And it was a bit annoying, actually, because we, of course, record the show on yeah. Thursday... And I came in Friday morning, and we had to basically do the whole thing again. We did two shows without you last week. How did you manage? Um, I didn't. It was a terrible, <laughs> terrible mishmash of nonsense. Um, but we've got another arse on this week. It's, it was weird to me last weekend, and it's worth reflecting on this, that there wasn't during the West Ham game the outpouring of emotion and the outpouring of love for yeah. Arsenal that I think that many of us thought there would be. And I, there was a few kind of quite gentle one Arsenal Wengers before the game, but nothing massive. And it only really got audible properly when they scored the fourth goal. Yeah. Weird. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe, I think everyone was possibly still in shock, really. Because I know, although we've been talking about Wenger's departure, mm. inevitable departure for years, it seems now, when it finally dropped and that news broke, it was still like, wow, yeah, it's happening. For real. Yeah. And it was a very strange sort of 24, 48 hours, wasn't it? I mean, as Wenger remarked himself, it was a bit like the obituaries were being read. It was mm. kind of like he was reflecting on his whole life, reading all the <laughs> pieces that you'd normally expect to hear at a funeral. Um, and maybe that had something to do with the atmosphere. Maybe they weren't people at the Emirates weren't quite sure how to take the whole thing. I, su- I suppose that the last home game of the season, which is Burnley, yes, I, I believe, so. um, I mean, that's the, op- that, that's the one. Mm. Unless they've got knocked out 9-0 by Atletico in the, well, in the Europa League. Yeah, but that. that is the chance to give him the final send-off. So if, hopefully he'll be slightly better there. But look, the result was good. What do you make of the whole Billy Backtrack story from this week where he said in his pre-Atletico press conference that uh, the timing wasn't down to him and that was followed by the club at 740-odd saying it was a mutual agreement and they attributed quotes to Wenger saying, yeah, we both agreed on it. Why can't, I just don't get why yeah, they look, can't just say, you can do both, we have asked him to leave. Both of those things can be perfectly true though, mm. can't they? Uh, they can, but because, there's, a, there's a sketchiness to yeah, this. Yeah. But Wenger will have, you know, Wenger's obviously Been ex- accepted it at the end. Mm. Okay, fine. He, I don't want this to happen, but mm. yes, I agree. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get it out of the way. Mm. This is what I want to say. This is what you want to say. Put the statements out. Let me talk to the players. Thanks very much. See you later. That's, that is still there's an element of mutual agreement to that scenario. But the first initial contact between the club and Wenger, you look at the reports and you, look at, you just look at all the evidence that we've got from Wenger. He never wants to break a contract. Yep. You know, he's resisted time and time again for, for points where many people have said it's time for you to go. I don't think he wanted to go. No. It's clear from what he said, from his body language, from his history, from the journalists who've got a bit of insight. I don't think he wanted to go. No. 
But the club have finally, finally done the thing that people have been saying they should have done a long time ago, and they've they've nudged him out the door. Uh, still no news on the replacement. There's some real Arsenal snobbery uh, about the Brendan Rodgers link. I've really enjoyed that this week. Yeah, uh, because I've seen uh, that. Because I'm uh, keeping an eye on you on Twitter. And what, what's got into you lately on Twitter? I have to a bring lot. this up now. Well, go on. You're just spewing out hot takes. Yes, yeah, me. Left, right, and centre. I'm a hot take kind of guy. He's, he's really gone into overdrive. So many hot take. Brendan for West Ham. Just, well, yeah, well, he, he has, I've seen a, a lot of people. But don't, don't, I saw a great view on the Arsene Wenger thing and the Arsene Wenger supporters that their standards have been raised by him to a point where a decent replacement may very well not be gettable because they're like, oh, no, well, we used to people like Arsene Wenger. Why would someone like... Enrique want to go to a Europa League team in England who don't compete financially with everyone else? Well, I, I don't agree with that. I, I think Arsenal, there is no one in world football they couldn't attract in the right circumstances. I'm not saying right now they can go and pick anyone, mm. but if anyone was available, you know, any of the top coaches across Europe were available at the right time, Arsenal would be a serious prospect for them. Mm. Because forget what's happened in the last 10 years. They've got everything they need to be a top club. They've got money. They've got a brilliant stadium. They've got history. They have got good players, and you could boot, you could bring in more, and you could develop the players perhaps better than Wenger has done. Mm. So it's an it's a, it would be a brilliant opportunity for any of those top level coaches that we that have been linked with the job so far. Why aren't we doing a feature, Tom Rennie's hot take? Six years we've been doing this program. Think well, about it. Next season. Next season. All right. We'll talk about it in the summer, shall we? If we're still here. All right. (laughs) You'll be too busy. You'll be in Vladivostok drinking vodka. Uh, Unlike the rest of the fans who can't. Uh, Listen, got to ask you about Stoke. Cancelling their end of season awards. It was backed by fans council chairwoman Angela Smith, who said, "Um, we were told on Sunday the awards dinner would not be taking place. And we were asked not to say anything about it at that time. Um, Why do these teams have their awards dinners planned Three weeks before we find out what's going to happen to them. I was watching West Ham's this week, Patrice Ever and Colton Cole were there yeah. in matching suits. Well, because like, on the, the season's been an embarrassment for 14th, so many teams. On, the, on Monday the 14th of May, they all want to jet off. Who are these dinners for, though? I mean, why can't they do it when they return next season? Or maybe, sorry, lads, we're paying you enough money for you to stay for two more days. You can't do it at the start of next season. If, if the season ends on the Sunday, why can't they say, by the way, you can't go on a little to a Tuesday. We've got one final thing to do. Here's your 80 grand this week, Andy. Well, Why can't they do that? I Why don't know. These things, because every year when a team is about to get relegated, we get this kind of story. The last thing Stoke City need now is more bad PR, and they're getting it because they've cancelled their own award ceremony for the end of yeah. the year. It's just so dumb, and they all keep doing it. Uh, it just winds me up massively. You've probably got to book the venue a year in advance, though. Yeah, it's like a wedding. Uh, so if only they had a major space they could use that they owned uh, to hold such events. There's no way of finding one. Um, <laughs> got to briefly mention Roma, Liverpool as well. I mean, <laughs> there was so much in it. And you know me, I'm a bit neg. I'm a bit neg about a lot of things. So I tried when we came in the following day to be, you know, positive, you know, anti-me. Uh, and I thought this, the Mo Salah performance. I wanted to talk about the fact they took him off with 12 minutes to go and you never take off your best player with 12 minutes to go because, you know, he's the best player currently playing in the world. Yeah. Keep him on, whatever's wrong with him. And I know the argument is the manager knows him better than you. I, I'm sorry. It's well, what te- has that 10 minutes going to make any I difference? I think that's a valid point about not taking off your best player. However, I don't think that, that was really the issue. No, yeah. The issue was, we're 5-0 up here. That'll do. But if, they, yeah. but if they could have knocked Salah down the channel... And he yeah, could have held it out for a few yeah, yeah, minutes. Maybe. But I just wanted to say this. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do Neg. Uh, yeah. I wanted to say, on the pause, 
in Mo Salah, brilliant. Like, honestly, I just loved watching him that night. Rono Roma played into his hands, and, you know, there's, you can criticise a load of stuff. But it was just great watching him. Well, and yeah. it kind of, you know, because you, we, we watch a lot of football, and you go to a lot, and, you know, we're talking about it all the time, and whatever, and you, sometimes you can become, you know, it's been, it's been 40 weeks of football now. And yeah. I'm a West Ham fan. I've suffered. You know, Watford ain't been great. You've had your stories this yeah. year. I'm a bit fatigued of it, some of it. Yeah. That made me think, oh, he's good, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you do sometimes forget what it's all about. And it's about brilliant players mm. doing brilliant things. In the biggest and, games. Yeah, in, in, on the absolute highest level. And there will have been people in that stadium, Liverpool fans, who maybe aren't that old, maybe haven't seen even the last Champions League success mm. in 2005. And that moment when he scored the first and second goals with that atmosphere in that game will have probably been the best moment of their lives up yeah. to that point. And then they conceded two goals yeah. and it went very quiet. So you've gone neg again. You've gone neg. <laughs> We're trying to stay positive. Uh, Southampton trying to stay positive. They got Bournemouth this weekend. What a huge game in the recent history of Southampton Football Club. A legend of the club. A man who was part of the team that won three in three, the final three of the season to keep Saints up, what, 20 years or so ago, is going to join us next. He ain't got the moustache, but he's still got the positivity. Join us for Franny Benali. It is the Premier League preview show and it's the battle down the bottom of the Premier League which is drawing all of our attention right now. Across so much of this season, it seemed like the entire bottom half is in it and so many of those sides are still not safe. Maybe the one side we didn't see in relegation trouble at the start of the season, Southampton, can save their campaign with victory over Bournemouth this weekend. If they don't, they are in real trouble. We are joined by a Southampton legend, a survivor of their great escape team from a few years ago. Francis Benali is on the line. How are you, mate? You're right. You're nervous. Yeah, no, not nervous. A little bit concerned, Tom. I must admit, but um, I've, I've still got faith and belief that they'll uh, they've got enough about them to still pull themselves clear. What a huge game this is! Uh, three o'clock local time this weekend at St Mary's, Southampton against Bournemouth. Um, a dismal showing, I think it's fair to say, in the FA Cup semi-final last week. Though, of course, the focus just was not on that. Uh, well, let's start with that. I mean, the performance was so poor and, and underwhelming there. Will that have any ramifications for the league performance this week? Will, will any Southampton players have, have lost any positive energy they might have had going into a game of that size? I mean, it would have been great to progress through to the final, wouldn't it? But um, I, I guess, you know, you, you, you mentioned the the performance, um, I, I felt that it was a, a very safe defensive first half. And, and I get that. You know, I, I don't think Mark Hughes wanted to concede early on against Chelsea and just wanted to stay in the game around about half time, which they were. But so frustrating to come out and concede within 30 seconds, albeit mm. a wonderful bit of skill from Giroud. But um, yeah, you know, no confidence they're able to take apart from a bit of a fight back and a disappointing decision or two from the referee. But um yeah, you know, they've just got to get that out of their minds now, solely focus on Bournemouth and the remaining games. But this is such a huge game, as you say, especially given some of the other fixtures that and teams that the teams around them have got to play as well. It is a huge game. It's one of the games that we looked at and said, right, this has got to be three points. It's against a team that they would, at the start of the season, have been hoping to probably be above or... Expected, or, or, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the big problem was not that semi-final last week. It was the week before. 
you're 2-0 up at home and you're thinking, finally, the corner has been turned. We can kick on now. And then we know Chelsea came back. And if you get in the same position against Bournemouth, they are better than anyone at coming from losing positions. So it's a massive game. They need to make sure that they get this one out of sight. Yeah, absolutely huge, David, as you say. And, um, you know, they've, they've got to try and block that, that Chelsea game out of their minds because for an hour or so, you know, they were the better side on top of the game. You could argue Chelsea weren't at their best, but, um, you know, just needed to, to see the game out and that sort of little bit of lack of confidence from the goal and then the second goal going in. And, you know, it was a crazy eight minutes to all of a sudden be 2-0 up and then 3-2 behind. So they've, they've got to take Bournemouth on. You know, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. They need three points from this game. Um, they've got Swansea to play as well in the remaining four matches. And, you know, they're probably looking at a minimum of six, if not seven points, I'd say, uh, to give themselves a chance of staying up. Um, the home form. The home form for Southampton has been the big issue. No one has really picked up many points away from home, to be fair, in the Premier League this season. Uh, Bournemouth are regarded as one of the better teams away from home, and it's just three wins and six draws. You know, it's not spectacular. But the home form no. is where Southampton have fallen down. Why is that? And will they go out all guns blazing to try and win this game? Because that is not Hughes's way, is it? Well, I think under Pellegrino, you know, there's very much a, a, a continuation, Tom, of, um, you know, how Claude Puel sets teams up, you know, almost sort of possession and, um, you know, defensive-minded uh, and not really sort of being brave. It's almost like going out with a view of let's not lose the game as opposed to let's go and win it. Um, that mindset has got to obviously change now. You know, lack of goals has been an issue all season. Um Charlie Austin is his top goal scorer and he's obviously out for a number of months and mm. um, we need some, some guys really to step up to the plate now and, and you know, Mark Hughes has sort of alluded to sort of personnel within the squad that he feels are the right right people to do that and one or two that maybe aren't. So um, it'd be interesting to see the lineup and, and possibly even the formation that he goes with but they've got to, they've got to go at Bournemouth um, and, you know, they might need more than, than just a couple of goals, given, as you say, how, how Bournemouth are a threat. And they, they are largely going forward, that's for sure. I know you're obviously Southampton through and through, and optimism is what you need at times like these. But when you get to this time of the season, you're saying, look, they're going to target seven points from the remaining games. They've got Swansea, they've got Bournemouth, and it's all well and good. But, I mean, as Tom just said, Where's the evidence that that can happen? Mm. You know, winless in nine games at home. They've had a really disappointing season. And it's just, I just, as sad as it may be for Southampton fans, I just can't see them getting enough points mm. to stay up. And it's, it's a real disastrous situation. No, I, I understand that and I, I fully get that. Um, you know, it's, it's something that the players themselves have got to believe, regardless of what any of us are saying, you know, any any media, any, any supporters, um, it's the players, that they're the ones that are going to actually get themselves out of this if they can. And uh, it is possible. I've been there personally as a player. Mm. Um, when everybody writes you off and usually when it comes down to the wire, you just hope that you know individually and collectively they can pull together and, um, and do what's required. But it's a big ask. As you say, you know, you, you're a little bit dependent still on Huddersfield and Swansea, um, what their results are going to be between now and the end of the season. But it's not impossible. That, that, that's what I'm clinging on to, you know, and uh, they've certainly got to set the, the, the game alight right from the first whistle on, on Saturday. Um, but Bournemouth are going to be coming up, you know, almost would take great pleasure in, you know, getting some kind of result that, that means it keeps Southampton down there. 
Yeah, I want to ask you about that rivalry, but, but just before we do that, you were talking about y- your personal experience in this sort of situation. Uh, that team in 99, uh, 1999, you, you know, Mark Hughes was in it, as, as I recall, and, and you looked like yeah. you were gone, and it had been a disappointing season, but then you got that run together. What changed in that three games? What Was there a moment in the games with the training, the formation? What happened to go from we're not going to make it to nobody can beat us? I think on the training ground and as a squad, Tom, you know, there's, there's very much that. As you say, we had an awful season. We're in the bottom three right up until May. Um, and out of the final five games, we drew two and won three. So I think on the training ground as a group of players, there was that, almost that siege mentality. It's almost like Samson had taken on the world, whoever it might be, we were going to be playing those last games. Um, and, you know, sticking together and having that belief in one another. Um, and I think as well, it's... it's I think maybe the, the first of the remaining five games that we had that we might have picked up a draw, I think we, we clawed that game, that back. You know, I think we may have been behind it. Forget who we may have been playing, Blackburn, someone like that. Um, and, and we got a goal back. And all of a sudden, that just shifted the sort of uh, the, the, the mindset a little bit to think, actually, do you know what? We're in a losing position. We've got back into it. We've got a point today. That This could be the start of something. And then you just literally built on it game by game. Um, and, you know, we we're fortunate enough to, to really pull some results out when it mattered. But, uh, you know, that's why I'm a, a big believer that, that anything is possible until it's mathematically not. But I, I appreciate where you're coming from, guys. It's going to be a, a huge task, but one that I am hope the current squad are up to. And we've got a lot of listeners to this programme who are going to be in Africa and, and America and maybe don't know how close Southampton and Bournemouth are and they don't know about the rivalry between the two clubs. And, of course, for many years, you've not been in the same division as each other to play each other. But this is a massive derby. This is a huge event in the region, isn't it? It's, it, it's not the derby, uh, Tom. I think for those that, that follow, uh, you know, Hampshire football and South Coast football, you know, it's, it's Southampton Portsmouth is the mm-hmm. derby uh, in my eyes. Um, it, it, it is a geographically a derby, um, and there's a rivalry, yeah, of course. But I would, I would say the rivalry is more from the Bournemouth direction towards Southampton as opposed to the other way around. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we're really close, as you say. Literally just a, a hop across the New Forest and, you know, you, you can be in one, one city or the other. So it's, it's going to be a, a huge game, one that I'm going to be at, one that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I'll literally be kicking every ball. So whoever, <laughs> I'll apologise now to whoever's sat in front of me. You know, you could... Could be getting annoyed by me. Bring a crash helmet. He's going to be kicking you all day. <laughs> uh, I'm keeping everything crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, Franny, I've got to ask you this quickly as well, because, of course, for Southampton to stay up this season, uh, it would need somebody else to finish uh, below you. Of course, two other te- two, uh, two or three other teams to finish below you. We keep West Brom in it for now. Um, there's other games this weekend, and they're all tough games for everyone involved. You've got Liverpool against Stoke. You've got Huddersfield against Everton. Crystal Palace take on Leicester and West Ham take on Manchester City. And, and they've got United coming up after that as well. Who do yeah. you think is the most likely to catch? Who is your, your target for getting above? Well, Southampton have got to play Swansea in, in the second to last game uh, of the season. That's one that naturally they've got to take three points from. Um, so, that again, that would, would close the gap uh, and, and potentially put us above Swansea. I, I can't help but look at... Huddersfield, their remaining fixtures, they play Everton this weekend, the three o'clock kickoff at home. Um, but their last three are Man City away, Chelsea away, mm. and then home to Arsenal. So I, I'm, I'm looking at them. If there's one team to, to maybe claw back in, I'd, I'd say it would be them. But 
I'm half got a gut feeling that this could go even down to goal difference uh, this year. Yeah, it's going to be very, very close, and there's plenty of teams in it all the way up to, I would say, Palace in 14th, who could still be in trouble. And I've got to say, Brighton only got 36. I mean, teams go on a run. That is not enough for me. 37, I think, uh, is going to be the line. Tough ask of Southampton from here. Franny, all the best this weekend, mate. Hope it goes well for you, and hope you finish uh, 17th and West Ham finish 16th, and we can all be happy throughout the summer. <laughs> Most definitely. Sounds good to me. I'll take that. Cheers, Franny. Thanks a lot, mate. Uh, good luck. Speak Cheers, to you soon. Guys. Yeah, take care, Tom. Cheers. Bye. How long we got here? <coughs> Minute. Should we do a few seconds on it and then just move on? Yeah. Franny Bernali, you can just feel how nervous he is, can't you? And you can. We've been in that situation He's clinging on there, as well. He? He's trying to be optimistic and, and be positive, but I think he knows that it's, it's up, they are right up against him. But the a team going to run every single year. There's Almost, ability there. It's, it's West Brom, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> what, the what a shame the this ever happened a few weeks ago. Yeah. They go down this weekend. The results don't go their way. Um, <coughs> what happened there? Yeah, what a shame this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, West Brom could have made it really very interesting, but they could go down this weekend uh, if Swansea get a win. Uh, loads more relegation chat we want to get to. When we come back, though, we're going to talk a bit more about Arsene Wenger, who goes to take on Jose Mourinho for the final time as Arsenal manager, at least. It's the Premier League preview show for the 36th week of the season. Still plenty to be decided, including who's going to be the next Arsenal manager. Because, of course, Arsene Wenger has either A, resigned, B, uh, stepped down by mutual consent, or C, been given the old heave-ho, given the sack. We don't know yet, and Arsenal are giving us all the stories, depending on what time you look at their website. Uh, it's Man United against Arsenal this Sunday, a 4.30 UK time kickoff. The final meeting with Wenger as Arsenal manager, at least between Jose Mourinho and the formerly great Frenchman. We are joined by a former Arsenal player, a man brought through by Arsene at Arsenal, also a former Cardiff fullback and Wales international too. Reese Weston is on the line. How are you, mate? You all right? Very well, thank you, Tom. Very well. What do you make to all that, uh, the Ferrari of the day before Atletico, with um, Arsenal, Arsenal basically letting the veil slip a little bit that he was... Forced out of the club and then the club backtracking. Does it matter? Do you care? In the grand scheme of things, not particularly. Um, it's just I just find the whole thing a little bit, a little bit sad. In all fairness, you know the fact that Arsene Wenger decided to call his time to an end at Arsenal, and then of course all the plaudits start raining in, and of course pushed to his limits in terms of patience. I would suggest in his finally cracked as to what's been going on. Um, I'd one of the worst kept secrets in football right enough, but the fact the fact remains that he's he's finally showed the frustration and the emotion that's obviously been simmering away beneath the surface. And yeah, it's it's just um it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one for him. Uh, and I think it's it's something that has obviously hurt Arsene Wenger significantly over the last few mm. seasons, not just this season, to the point where it's now put a bit of a sour taste in the mouth as he's about to step down. Oh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the programme. We didn't quite get the we love you, Arsene, thanks for all you've done uh, against West Ham last week. We got empty seats. We got a little bit of we love you, Arsene, towards the end, but not that much. And it just has a feel of, will you just go already? 
Yeah, you might you might be right, and I think the problem Arsene Wenger has, or one of the problems, should I say, is the fact that his his tenure traversed probably two or three generations of football fans. You know, 22 years as a manager, mm. you know, a lot of the old lot of the old boys used to go and watch Arsenal at the old Highbury. Would probably have moved on to different bits and pieces, maybe not a priority anymore. You know, the younger guys have stepped into the breach and taken over the helm at, at the Emirates, and then the new generation of fans coming through and. It seems to be whoever's got the most momentum and the loudest voices are the ones that people flock to and follow. And the, the yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Finger out moment, uh, movement was certainly gathering momentum. And if you've got two thirds of the of the of the crowd adhering to that, then you know it's always going to be it's always going to be tough. And I think most football fans would agree that Arsene Wenger has done a fantastic job over his his lengthy stewardship of Arsenal. And I think most people agree it's also time for him to step down. But I just think that you know, the the stayaways and the boo boys and the Wenger out crowd have certainly won a majority in, on this occasion. Uh, and you, you see that by the attendances at the Emirates over the last you know, mm. five or six games, if not more. You know, seeing empty red seats everywhere is quite disappointing. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, the last home games against Burnley, that they come out in their, in their droves to see him off because I think he deserves it. Yeah, and it's fitting uh, in a way that there's still a game left against Manchester United away at Old Trafford, the site of so many great battles against Sir Alex Ferguson over the years, although the record isn't brilliant there. Arsenal have lost 13 of their last 18 away visits to Old Trafford, and I would, I would hesitate to say they're probably going to do so again this Sunday. Would you say you'd <laughs> hate to see them lose? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> yeah, I, mean, I, I, would, I would like to see them not get beaten. Um, uh, I, yeah. You know, to say the record against Man United isn't great is an understatement. Oh, I was, you know, very unfortunate to witness the eight 0 drubbing, not too long ago. In the fact, it still lives long in the memory. Uh, and I think Manchester United are, are certainly going in the right direction under Mourinho. Again, another manager that's always divided opinion, but mm. I think he seems to be getting his methods um, brought into by the, the Manchester United players. So yeah, Man United be strong favourites at the weekend. I've no doubt about that. Rhys, can I ask um, you about Mourinho? It's quite interesting you say that there. Would you welcome Mourinho at Arsenal? I'm not saying this is a realistic thing, but 
Would you welcome someone like that? If they felt that what they needed someone wasn't a total football manager, wasn't you know the guy from Monaco, Jardim, or, or someone who'd come and play great football, someone who would come in and shut up shop uh, and look to win games their way. If Mourinho was available, would he be a good Arsenal manager for you? Not in my opinion. No, and I think, again, I think that's down to the legacy that Arsene Wenger's created and will be leaving behind. I think from Arsenal, for Arsenal to continue their development, they need to have a long-term suitor lined up to come in and take over the helm when Wenger steps down. I, I think Mourinho's a two- or three-season man at best, and I don't think that will leave the club in a stronger position. OK, they may, you know, may inverted commas win something if he was to take over, for example, but there's no guarantees of that. And to come into a club and to completely shift the momentum and change the ethos and try and get players to play a different way. We've seen, you know, saw, you know, the infamous De Boer strategy at Palace <laughs> went really well for him when he came in and tried to start playing ticky-tack of football with the players he had there. Um, it's, it's a poor analogy, I guess, but the point being is if Mourinho is going to try and make wholesale changes to a team that likes to play free-flowing football, as Arsenal have done for many years, I don't think it's the right fit. You've got um, to take your Moyes step before you take your Mourinho step. I understand. Uh, yeah, uh, listen, exactly. Listen, I want to ask you about Alexis Sanchez as well, who uh, I thought had a fantastic game uh, at Wembley last weekend and started his, his life at Old Trafford very, very slowly, um, but has just started to, to form a little partnership with, with Paul Pogba in vital moments. We're thinking about the Manchester derby and, of course, last week at Wembley. Uh, and it's going to be all eyes on him, isn't it, on the field this weekend? It will be. It will be, absolutely. And there's no doubting his credentials as a player. Um, as an Arsenal fan, I, I was disappointed to see him leave in such magnanimous circumstances, but also quite glad to see the back of him, given his performances for Arsenal prior to his departure. But again, his, his pedigree is unquestionable. And again, in the right environment, he'll no doubt prove himself to be one of the world's best. And same with Paul Pogba. You know, he's had a, he's had a turbulent season. He's been up and down, in and out of favour. But again, his quality, some you know, the way he takes possessor of the football under pressure, his awareness. I, you very rarely see him get caught in possession. Yeah, he gives the ball away every now and again, but in terms of being dispossessed, you know, he's got such awareness and, and ability on the ball. You know, those two can, those two can strike up an understanding and, and play regularly. You know, it's only going to benefit Man United going forward, for sure. Yeah, it'll be great to uh, see how he gets received this weekend. It'll be interesting as well Boo, to watch the... from the heavens, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see... Uh, what the reception is like um, from Mourinho to Wenger as well. It was quite funny afterwards when, I know you mentioned it earlier, Dave, that, that people were sort of talking about it like it was his funeral last week and it went from specialist in failure to uh, I've always respected him as a friend. Mm. It's, it's funny, mm. that's just funny how it's all changed. I wonder if Wenger might be like, that. don't talk to me, son. Well, I, I would imagine there's a certain amount of empathy between football managers, regardless what the... Um the facade they, they put on in the media and, and when it comes down to the, the game day press conferences. And I'm sure there'll be a healthy respect between the two managers. It has to be, given what they both achieved in the game. And I, you know, again, I think it's a certain amount of fear to, about how Mourinho conducts himself with opposition managers. I think, you know, behind closed doors, I think there'll be a handshake and a warm embrace. And I'm sure they'll wish each other all the very best. But, yeah. um, again, it's been one of the most enjoyable rivalries in, in, modern, in modern times on the, on the touchline of the Premier League. Because, you know, Finger being the the timid professor and Mourinho being the, the bullish badger in the opposing dugout. The you know, bullish um, badger? I have never heard him called that before, but that's all well, I'm going to call him from now on. That's Quinn, a good nickname. Quinn that phrase. 
Uh, listen, Reese, uh, you are doing a game for TalkSport International team this weekend. It's the 5.30 UK time kickoff between Swansea and Chelsea. And as a former Welsh international, we thought you'd get, we'd get you covering the only Welsh mm. representative uh, still in the Premier League. And as, of course, Cardiff get promotion, you'll be well busy next year. Uh, but for Swansea, it, it's a big game for them. They've got Stoke to play. They've got Southampton to play. It's very much in their own hands whether they stay up. Does that affect how they play this weekend against Chelsea? Will they be keeping their powder dry? Uh, so to speak, in order to focus on the upcoming games, or will they fancy this one? I think I think it'll be the former. I think they'll be a little bit more conservative in their approach, given the fact they've still got to play the teams around them. You know, they've got a four-point cushion at the moment. Um, Southampton and Stoker have been dire when I've when I've seen them this season. Uh, obviously, with so much at stake, teams can can either bow to the pressure or they can embrace it. Uh, I'm I'm confident Swansea got more than enough to to get what they need to stay up. Um, I don't think they, they've got enough to, to turn Chelsea over this weekend, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. But if they avoid defeat, that would be a, a, a huge boost for them. But again, it's not the end of the world if they do get beaten. And Chelsea, again, they've, they've had a frustrating season by their very high standards. Uh, and they'll look to finish the season strongly, no doubt about that. So I, I, I expect Chelsea to, to win it. But you never know. Swansea are capable on their day of causing an upset. So Reeks part of our team covering Swansea against Chelsea. And I was surprised, Dave, to see that that Swansea, because you think, oh, they had this great Carvalho yell boost and there's been some good performances. Uh, it's six games without a win now, uh, and they've been dragged back into it when they seem like they might be all right. They have. They had a little burst, but really it's sort of returned to the, the pre-Carvalho uh, days, really. Having found the net in eight of their first nine Premier League games under Carlos, they failed to score in three of their last five. Hmm... I think it could be in real trouble. I mean, we mentioned those games there. Southampton and Stoke to play. Lose both of them, lose this weekend. They could easily get above them. I think Swansea can let this game go against Chelsea this weekend. So it could end up being more entertaining than it kind of looks like on paper as we build to the weekend. Uh, right, plenty more to get through. Loads more we want to talk about. Uh, West Ham. Oh, is that next? Oh, I need a break to get ready. It's the Premier League preview show for the 36th week of the season. Though plenty of teams still got four games left, so lots to be decided. Uh, let's talk about the early game on Sunday, shall we? Uh, the Man City title procession continues when they visit the home of Moyes. The house that David built, the theatre of disappointment. It is, of course, the Olympic Stadium, not the London Stadium, because that's a rubbish name, uh, to take on West Ham. Uh, Dave, I know I've said it a few times in the show, but uh, you won't be stunned to hear this, that, that David Moyes has the worst win percentage after 27 games uh, of any manager in West Ham history. So 27 games is a lot. Comparing everyone that's had at least 27 games? Yes. Right. So everyone has had 27 or more in that bracket. Yeah. Um, Avram is above him. Gianfranco Zola is above him. Ooh. Glenn Roda is above him. Um, and... You watch his teams, and you watch that Arsenal game last week, and fair enough, poor old Declan Rice, who's going to be a great player. I really think he's going to be fantastic. He makes a mistake, ball goes in. I don't think Arsenal are going to get a second in that game. The job kind of had been done, and then they collapsed towards the end. And by the way, those goals they conceded towards the end really skewed the goal difference. And as Franny said earlier, goal difference could be very important here. Uh, and that third and the fourth, which were undeserved on performance because West Ham collapsed, could, could come back to haunt them. And that could be an issue this weekend as well. Of course, it's Man City at home and there's every chance well, uh, they could absolutely batter them. And they're going for the records this season. They're going for uh, 100 goals. They've got 98 so far in the Premier League this season. 
Only, get your only, ass on admin this only three teams have, have reached 100 goals in a single season in the competition's history. Chelsea in 09-10, Man City themselves in 2013-14, and Liverpool in 2013-14 mm. when they had Suarez and Sturridge and mm. all those guys. And I don't want that. Guardiola want those records. He wants yeah. them all. Uh, and, absolutely, and you can see their performance last week uh, against Swansea. 5-0, and they could have beaten way more than that. Um, and, and they didn't take their foot They've off the They've got nothing else to worry about this goals. season, have they? They just want to have fun. Edison wants to score. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it, for everyone involved? If it's going to happen against anyone, though, I can just see it happening yeah, against your and, lot. And the thing is, with, with David Moyes, uh, and you know I hate him. I same, think it's, it's a shame Joe Hart can't play in this game, isn't it, really? <laughs> he's an awful, diminished manager, David Moyes. Should never have got the job. Uh, and anyone who says he's done a good job since he's come in, I'm sorry, they're absolutely wrong. He's not done a good job. Oh, he's got something out of Anatovic. No, Anatovic got something out of Anatovic because he decided I'm a professional footballer here and... Uh, uh, and, and this could be my last big move. That's what happened to Anatovic. The rest of it, how can a team play well, seven look, at the back, concede so many let's, goals? Let's get away from your overt hatred of David Moyes for a second and try and be sensible. That, well, I, how's I, that I, not no, sensible? No, no I, I'm not disagreeing with you. His record has not been good at it's West very Ham. Bad. The very bad. The performances are bad. You look at the numbers, the performances, that's all been bad. They probably will stay up, but it's going to be close. Mm. closer, A lot closer than it points, should have mate. been. But I wanna, the question I want to ask you is, what do you think has happened to David Moyes from being the manager who was the chosen one at Manchester United mm. to having succession of jobs after that Man United job, Real Sociedad, Sunderland, now West Ham, where it has all been negativity, downward spiral, nothing has gone right for him. Do you, know, you know, what's happened? I think on a wider theme, you're, you're seeing it similarly to a point with Allardyce, though he's still able to get results better than anyone else in that crop. You've seen it with Mark Hughes and Paul Lambert and, and a few of these guys. The way they want to play football, the style of football, the respect the point mantra... There's come a time, or at that time now, where it isn't working. The big diagonal to the tall guy, they play it down the channels and try and get bodies up to support. That style of play that was so prominent in football in England from 2000 to 2008, maybe, it's died out. It isn't there. It's not being successful. It's not working for teams. Even Burnley, who are doing a similar sort of thing, aren't doing it in the same sort of way. You watch these teams. Mark Hughes plays the ball down the right channel for Charlie Austin or Shane Long to chase. He holds it up for a bit, brings teams back into play. That's Anatovic's job. Uh, Swansea were doing that under Clement. They only improved slightly when Carvalho tried to make them do a bit more possession football. But because they haven't got the players to do possession, they've probably now gone back to uh, get it down the channel and get someone to chase it down. And, and Tammy Abraham returning to fitness has enabled them to do that. I think that style of football has been diminished. You've got to change with the times. You've got to change the way you play. Uh, and when you've got... Uh, a situation where you've got to try and win or you get a point. David Moyes and Sam Mallardyce and these guys, they go for the point. That Stoke home game a few weeks ago, Stoke were there for the taking, there to be beaten. And he played the 7-2-1 formation, David Moyes, that he's played since he came in. The same team that tried to hold on for a point against Chelsea and did it is who he played against Stoke at home. Now, I know there might be things that I'm not aware of, we're not aware of, fitness, how long they can last, but that don't do much to style of play. And whoever you've got, you can go out and try and attack a team or you can try and get a point, try and nick one last minute. He was afraid. And a lot of these guys, their job is keep this in the Premier League and they play like they're afraid. And that's why this has been the worst Premier League for entertainment value that I've ever seen. And that's not just talking about Man City. 5-0 wins are not entertaining to me. That is not enjoyable, and the fact the top six haven't, or the top five haven't challenged them, that's not the thing. The game's in the middle of the league. They ain't been there. The trying to win has not been there. Uh, maybe only Palace down the bottom half actually try and do it. 
but are incapable. But that's made it fun, at least. Bournemouth, maybe you could throw in there as well. So I think David Moyes' his style has gone. He hasn't evolved with it. And um, I think West Ham could be in serious trouble because I can't see him getting any more points from what's left. Uh, it's Leicester away up next. Then it's United at home and Everton at home. Mm. Could they get two draws? Absolutely. 37 think, will be the Yeah, line. Leicester and Everton. I think you'll get, you'll get a point, maybe two points, maybe three points out of those two games. And, I, and even if you don't, as we spoke about earlier on with, with Francis Benali, I I cannot see Southampton and or Stoke mm. getting more points than you, nor Huddersfield, nor Swansea. I think you if you do stay up, it's going to be by virtue of the incompetence of the teams below you rather than your They want to give him a two-year deal. Let's, let's stop it, otherwise it's get too boring for everyone. Uh, but they want to give him a two-year deal if he stays up. I can't even envisage why. Uh, let's talk about Stoke. Liverpool for them away this weekend. Uh, the first of our games this weekend. Do you know what surprised me about this game? Hit me. Liverpool have never lost at home in the top flight against Stoke, ever. That's amazing. It's the longest ever unbeaten home run by one team against another in top flight history. That is incredible. However... Have they had an opportunity where Liverpool have paid less attention to the league in any of those meetings? There's no way. You look at you know, poor old Oxlade Chamberlain's got injured, so he's going to be missing the rest of the season. Chan's already out. Alana's already out. They've got a load of injury problems. They can't afford to lose Henderson and Milner and whomever else they might play in midfield. Jorginho Vinaldum, I suppose, against Roma in the next leg. So yeah. why would they risk any of those guys? There might be some young talent who gets a, a game in, a here. And what about Mo Salah? They took him off on 78 minutes, which we spoke about at the top of the programme. For them to have done that, there's got to be question marks about how fit he is. They ain't resting him for Stoke at home, so I wonder whether Mo Salah doesn't play. I wonder whether Roberto Firmino, incredible season he's had, by the way, was reading his 27 goals and a whole bunch of assists as well. An incredible campaign he's had, uh, overshadowed by Salah, obviously, but, but it's been amazing. Why risk him here? You've got Danny Ings, who's, who's itching to play. I think this could be a real second team here for Liverpool. You could see Ragnar Klavan playing at the back. They can't afford to, uh, unfortunately, lose Lovren, however bad he might be. Him and Van Dijk are the two. He's had fitness problems. Um, maybe even Simon Mignolet might come back in the cold. What about Danny Ward? He might get a few minutes, because why do they give a solitary you-know-what about Stoke at home? And if I'm Paul Lambert this weekend, I know he's of the Moyes school, He'd, I'd be, and they do create chances, but unfortunately they always fall to Mama Biram Diouf, who, who couldn't knock snow off a rope. Like, he's abysmal to geezer. So, <laughs> I've never heard that analogy ever in I, my life. Someone Is said that, to me earlier you today. You coined that phrase? Someone said to me earlier today, uh, and I just thought it was so good, I've nicked it. Yeah. He said it's common well, hopefully common there'll phrase. be no snow on any ropes to knock off at, at Anfield. And hopefully a lovely spring day on mm, Saturday. But yeah, going, no, eh? I completely agree with you. This, this is an opportunity for Stoke, because that game... In, in midweek for, for Liverpool is not dead and buried. No. 5-0 would have been a slightly different proposition, very different proposition in fact, but three-goal lead that they, they take to uh, to Rome is very different. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an early game. Stoke have just got to come out of the traps and go for it. It's it's. I would say it's win or relegation. I will put mm. it as starkly as that for Stoke. Um, and However, you'd still fancy Liverpool's second second, you know, one-and-a-half team, whatever it is, to, to beat them. I just wouldn't, because Liverpool have shown us down they the drew years. against West Brom last week, When they? the eyes aren't yeah. open, they do get beat, and Stoke got to go for it, and Shaqiri's a very, very good player, very, very good player who could cause a bit of damage. Uh, and you know what? They'll play Peter Crouch for 20 minutes, and if it's up against Ragnar Klavan and whomever else they manage to rustle up next to him... Matip fit, is he? No, he's not fit. No, Matip. Uh, they won't risk Lovren. It might be really be, it have to be Van Dijk. Another player, Joe Gomez out as well. What a yeah. good question. I have no idea who will play at the back for him, but I wouldn't risk love for him, that's for sure. Uh, there might be a chance in it. Uh, listen, let's talk about West Brom. Uh, probably 
probably this is the weekend they get relegated. It depends on the Swansea result and uh, and their result too. If Swansea get a draw, they might still be in it for another week. Um, but look, it's Newcastle away. Uh, Newcastle's great winning run came to an end last week with a poor performance on Monday against still Everton. Still the worst squad in the bottom half of the league, do you? Uh, yeah, start of the season, I do. I really do. Not, I think to, to, to get to Bravka, and Kennedy's been a revelation. Very impressed by, by him uh, in the last few weeks. But look, I think they've, they unquestionably had a championship squad at the start of this season. Had deficiencies everywhere. I wouldn't have played uh, any of uh, maybe Lascelles, but the whole defence is not a Premier League defence. The midfield, not a fan of Diame. Shelby, great player in the championship. I thought he might live in the Huckabee Vortex and not being. Good enough for one and too good for the other. But look, they've been very impressive and, and the run has been fantastic. The question now, of course, is about keeping Rafa. And I think they'll, they'll win this weekend and it may well be one of the farewell Rafa games because why would he hang around for this? Well, it's just, you know, where else? He's good enough for the Arsenal job, isn't he? I, yeah, I think so, but I don't think he'll get it. But, I mean, it's, it's looking at West Brom, it's such a, such a shame, isn't it? You just see the performances yeah. that they've put in. They've beat Manchester United away. They've great last week as well. Draw against Liverpool. Great Do you know what comeback. we said last week during that game? Uh, I, I don't God. know if you got to see it in Russia. I How did, I did. much they must have... Hate, you should listen to TalkSport's international coverage, mate, on the TalkSport app. Um, how much they must have hated Alan Pardew. Like, those players must have just hated him. Hated his training. Hated his tactics. Hated his face. Well, did they you see, just didn't want to do did it Did you see him. the comments from James uh, McLean after the, the game? Hit me. Well, he said, basically, it does help when you've got an idea of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing slightly, but that's basically the gist of what he said. You could see it. Yeah. You could see that's how they were playing. Didn't like whatever he was trying to do. He has a kind of laissez-faire attitude of tactics. He's always been a bit like that. He's trying to make you guys feel good about yourselves. That's always sort of been Pardew's thing. If he ain't making you feel good about yourself, he don't know what the right back's meant to be doing. And you could see it. They should have let him go earlier. And Darren Moore, obviously, at the very least, they like him. He knows the basics of what the, the jobs are in the team. They're doing those jobs. And maybe the fact they are all but relegated has given them a bit of a, well, come on. I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't fancy him against Newcastle this weekend. Uh, maybe a draw there. We'll see. Huddersfield Town. Maybe the last time this season they're going to be able to get points at home against Everton. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge, huge game for them. They have, against all odds, every time we thought, right, this, mm. is, their, this is their run. They're going to slip down into that bottom three. They've always managed to get a point here or there or pull out a win and just keep themselves above water. I'm still annoyed how they beat Watford, you know. I, I, I watched that game oh. in its entirety. I, I don't annoyed. know how much you watched, right? Yeah. But that game never deserved a winner. It was so abysmal in its ambition and everything. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I've hated watching Huddersfield all season because so many of their games have been like that. Yeah. But Everton at but home, they could easily get three points and, and 38 is going to be more than enough. I think, they'll, I think they will stay up now, I think. I think they'll do just enough, which will be a, a real remarkable achievement, I think, from, from David Wagner with that squad. Uh, yeah, uh, tough games coming up next, but this could be it. Uh, let's talk briefly about Palace against Leicester. Um, Crystal Palace. It, it's been great watching Crystal Palace. It's been a, a, a quite great roller coaster of entertainment. The Brighton game the other week was one of the most enjoyable 45 minutes I've seen all season. I'm glad they'll be staying up, and I think they will stay up, and I think they'll beat Leicester this weekend. I think they've got enough attacking talent out there, but what they have got. I don't understand where it comes from because they've got Milivojevic, who I think is a brilliant holding midfielder, uh, certainly a, a good deep-lying playmaker. Uh, they've got attacking wingers. They create chances. They've got good defenders. Uh, you know, I like James Tompkins a lot and all that. And they keep finding ways to blow leads and make it stressful when it shouldn't be. And you can just see this game being a high-scoring, uh, high-scoring encounter against Leicester this weekend. Well, I mean, they drew 0-0 last week, though, against Watford. Yeah, true. Um, 
And I know what you're saying about them. You know, they do give away leads and stuff, but also they they played Zaha and Townsend up front last mm. week against Watford. And another criticism of them has got to be up front, as it has been so often this season. What, what, what are the options? Mm. It's Ben Teke who has been a lot more cold than he has hot this season. Mm. Or you know, we've seen Bakary Sacco play up front. That Ben Teke Townsend, couldn't get snow Zaha, off a rope, could he? He couldn't, and that's a problem for them. Uh, and Zaha, you've said it a few times statistically. I love watching him. But he doesn't actually contribute much. Step over short. And last week, by the way, his dive, the diving display against Watford was yeah. an embarrassment. Well, the commentators here were telling me the one in the area where Mariapa goes down and it is a penalty. And I'm watching it thinking, Mariapa goes down, Sahar sees him, and he just dives. You know what? He I, dives and he it, cheats I all it, the time. I, I think it was a penalty, actually. But, mm. but Zahar does what he always does, and he went down theatrically yeah. and that takes the referee's attention away from the foul and the fact is as well four times before that in the game he had cheated yeah, he had died exactly. so if you're doing it all game mm. you ain't going to get one like stop and then he just gets up he's continually going that's a foul isn't it and you can see with him he does look I, I've seen him play a lot of times against Watford and, and there was a bit of a bit of a animosity between him and the Watford supporters I think, I think he's a player that, that we, lo- we love to hate really um, but he, he does seem to really lose his head he feels really, un, you know, like there's a sense of injustice and you can see him sort of looking to the heavens and just like he, he's completely incandescent with, with disbelief. He can't, yeah, yeah. can't believe what's going on. He's incredulous. And I think that affects him. Uh, yeah, Leicester this weekend could be a great game. Zahar against uh, Vardy. Let's talk about Burnley Brighton at one of the three o'clocks. Uh, what a shame for, for Burnley and, and for us, really. There's no chance. Maybe there is a chance, but uh, they're not going to get above Arsenal now because the last couple of games, uh, Chelsea, they could have done better and didn't. Stoke could have done better and no, didn't. I don't think it's going to happen now. Uh, probably won't happen now. It's a shame for Brighton. Uh, they look all right. But I still think 37. I still think 37 is where you get safety. They've got 36 right now. Uh, it's Burnley this weekend away. Then it's City. Uh, uh, so it's United. Then it's City. Then it's Liverpool. That's Brighton's last three. Now, 36 may well be enough. You mentioned earlier about West Ham. 35 might be enough. It all depends on Southampton this weekend. But I think they might still need another point, And I think they have to get it this weekend, Brian. Absolutely, yeah, because it, it is, even though it's... It's a tough game. Going away to Burnley is not an easy game. Mm. It's drawable, though. It's easier than the other three. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And they've had a few opportunities of late. There have been games on this show we've been looking at it, and we've said this more than once, haven't we? They need to get the win here. They the need H- to get the, the point here. One. Yeah, that and was the ha- one. And they haven't done it. And they've got a terrible away record. Yeah. Uh, Monday Night Football is Spurs against Watford. A uh, bit of a nothing game. I'm doing that yeah. one. Can't wait. Um, but anything to say on Watford? Any Watford news? Not really. Uh, we, you know, it was last week we did what we've been doing of late. The, the, it's, again, for the third season in a row, the season has just completely fallen away for Watford. But mm. the difference between this season and the last two seasons, especially compared to last last season, where we lost the last six or seven games really badly, we might not be getting the results at the moment, but the performances are decent. The players are committed. And they were really going for it against Palace and they just couldn't score. At the moment, we've got problems up front. We can't score enough yeah. goals. We can't create the opportunities. We can't take the opportunities that we do create. But it's it's not far off. Roberto Pereira is playing really well at the yeah. moment. Um, we just need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. Grazie to the right man for next year, you think? I would stick with him, yeah. yeah. I think you've got to... Well, how would you say his name? Javi Gratia. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. That might be wrong, though. Actually. You've got to stick with him. Yeah, I think so. I think you've got to give him a go. Uh, and briefly on Spurs, last week, I was doing the game last week, the, the Cup semi, and it went exactly as you'd imagine. But I tell you what, 
Uh, I got into a few rows about this on the on the night because I met some Spurs fans for fun, for my own personal amusement. And I was just saying to him, look, you lost that game because of Pochettino. I think it's pure and simple. Second half, uh, he brought on every winger he had, didn't play a single one of them on the wing. Uh, and they had uh, Lucas, uh, and then they had Son for a while, Lamella for a while, all trying to get through this blockade of United players. He didn't get any width. They never got any cross in the box, which Hungmin Son was destroying the fullback in the first half. They moved him central in the second half and got nothing out of him. I think the changes he made adversely affected his team. And again, it's a big game where Pochettino has got the big calls wrong. Um, and there'll be big question marks there because this is what he's got to do now. I mean, people were saying, yeah, but look at United's squad. Apart from De Gea and Alexis Sanchez and uh, Pogba, potentially, at his best. And even now, I'm not sure about that. I'd have picked the Spurs team if we were doing a combined 11 from last weekend. Uh, you know, you could put Dembele or Herrera. Herrera was fantastic. He was the man of the match. But on the season, or on their lives and everything, you know, I would put... Dembele in, Harry Kane you'd put in, the Spurs backline you'd put in, you know, maybe Alderweire who's on the bench instead of one of the, you know, but yeah. the, the quality was point, there, but they didn't know how to get over the line. The way they played wasn't good enough, uh, and I think they still need a win uh, to make sure Chelsea don't catch them in the Champions League. Shoot me, Spurs fans, all right? That's my view on it. Uh, at TalkSport Live or at Thomas J. Rennie, if you want to have a row with me. Uh, please don't, I'm sensitive. Um, David Moyes, still West Ham manager, it's very annoying. Anyway, we're out of time. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. See you all next week. Uh, right, let's do Reese and then let's... Uh, we went well over there. Yeah, well, we can do Reese for about 18 we, minutes. We can was. do Reese for like 10 minutes and then not cut too much. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hold that please, level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Biparcel Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what, sorry? The single most important thing is to Ertz in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparcel Rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.